0: Welcome back, everyone, to a, uh, another edition of the Arthur Companies Podcast. Um, I'm your host, Patrick Erickson. I'm here with Justin Kannat again. Justin, how you doing? Very good. Good. Last time that I recorded a podcast, it was it was with uh, Matt Huffness. So we're. I don't think we'll talk any any any. I just about said pirate football, Golden Eagle football, right? That's what it was. Extinct. I th- yeah, it's extinct. I think it's time we put it outside of our. Uh, Conversation. So instead, we're, we're and but we are here to talk about something with wings. Uh, this time, we're going to talk about drones a little bit instead of uh, aerial application equipment. So, and Justin, you've worked quite a bit with with drones here the last few years. Why don't you maybe just start off with? Uh, oh, it would have been I think about four years ago we went down and visited what uh, maybe we thought was a drone company named Centera in Minneapolis that turned out to be a sensor company. Um, from from that point on, why don't you tell us your side of the story here for, with with drones and the Arthur
1: companies? Yeah, we've partnered with Centerra for a few years now. Ever since then, um, we've had a couple different drones. We've done a partnership with them with a couple interns, um, and we've flown a lot of fields. Tried to just you know explore what the drone technology can do for us, what that what that tool means, and what it means for agronomy, um, how how we can use it in our in our business and help, help grow better crops.
0: Yeah. And I, the, the first, that first summer, um, I, I remember us, I mean, we were pretty impressed with the folks that we met down there in their offices and what they do. Um, if I remember right, it was a fair amount of, of former Lockheed Martin engineers. So if they can, uh, you know, if they can figure out how to use drones for the U S military, you'd think they'd be able to figure it out for, uh, for agriculture. So, um, we we bought I believe our first drone was this big fixed wing. Everything's bigger in North Dakota, so why would we not get the mm-hmm. biggest drone that that money could buy? Um, and I think it it flew like forty miles an hour. That thing was just it was just cooking. Yep. Um, and used that for a few use got some really good NDVI imagery if I yep.
1: remember right. The PHX is great because you can cover a lot of ground. One battery, you can fly, you know, three even five hundred acres. Um, 400 feet is usually what we're flying and we could get, capture a lot of data really quickly. Um, it's a little bit more susceptible to wind and yaw when it's tilted yeah. a little bit. So it creates a little bit more, you know, issues with some of the data and some more things you got to clean up. So it w- it was good because, you know, the size of a lot of our fields, it was, it allowed just us to cover more ground quickly. Right. Um, it's a little bit more finicky with, you know, takeoff land. So we did wind up getting a a quadcopter as well. Right. So, you know, had both, both styles. Um, Quad is really, and it's just really quick. You can go out and fly, um, you know, smaller scale stuff in a really quick hurry. If you're going to do a half section, you you can do it. It just takes a more time and better have a few more batteries and a way to charge batteries relatively quick.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I remember that, that, that uh, fixed wing, uh, it it did snap in half a couple of times, but, It was remarkably easy to tape back together and fly again. I couldn't believe how, how really it wasn't that big of a deal. Yep. Break it apart and duct tape it back together and throw it in the air. It still flew. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We, uh, so last summer we were flying it and it actually went on hiatus. It's somewhere, (laughs) somewhere North of air. Um, if you see it, give us a call.
0: Yeah. We
1: unfortunately were not able to recover it. We walked to, walked to cornfield (laughs) quite a few times. Um, And that's you know some of the bummer of the technology <laughs> is uh, it's expensive and uh, it, it's you know not fun losing it, um, but we do still have a quadcopter and thinking about maybe getting another fixed wing at, at some point. But um, it, it's it's very interesting technology. Where we've been using it is to any time you need to evaluate something from ventro to ventro. More than you know, a quick four wheeler ride across the field is going to tell you. Um, yeah. You know they do do some stand counts can get a pretty good stand count with it um it's a little finicky in terms of what size the corn is right it can't be too small it can't be too big um but you can do stand counts with it and it's kind of a spot check it's not a complete across the field kind of a check um and it's you know a certain very specific height and density of density of the uh of the population and pixels in order to check what it they're they've made some really interesting strides on in telling, you know, weed species by the, by the actual light, um, reflection sig- off signature the leaf. that comes back. Sure. Yeah. They've got a partnership with NDSU where they're actually be able to tell, you know, some species of the weeds. Um, the weeds have to be kind of big and yeah. you know, that, that's something that, you know, we can, we can tell the species obviously by, by driving out there. So this, it's not necessarily a technology that's going to replace an agronomist. Um, but there's, you know, certainly some times where it can help us do our job better. Yep. Um can give us good ND, NDVI data. Yep. Um, it's been pretty useful for evaluating plots, um, maybe just different fertilizer applications. Um,
0: yep. And certainly maybe not necessarily stand counts um, per se in ex- specific live plants per acre, but uh, those NDVI d- images versus paying for satellites, uh, subscription or waiting for a satellite to fly over versus just going and flying the field, fence row, fence row. These work quite well for that. Yep. Seeing where perhaps your planter worked better than, than, uh, um, than another, you know, yep. you're like this, where planting depth mattered a lot. You can see subtle differences from the road. If you want to see if they, you know, if, if they show up across the whole field, it's a nice tool for that.
1: Yep. yep. Yeah. Any, you know, herbicide, any any issue like that, you can tell exactly you know what's affected, what isn't. Um, you know, the hail. There's yeah. been some things where we've been asked, um, right, to go fly things, um,
0: insurance claims, and that kind of a thing. Yep,
1: yep. yep. There's been there, we had a wheat plot. We we kind of posted that picture far far and wide after we had a heck of a of a windstorm. Yes, um, yeah, that was
0: two years ago. It was a westbred yep. plot that was yep remarkably different. Yep, in the varieties yep. standing,
1: the standability really yep. really showed up. So yeah. yep.
0: Yeah, no, those those uh, those things have been nice to have a drone for. So, and in case you missed that, guys, we talked right through the fact that we did lose a drone. Um, so if you find it, we didn't podcast. We should have podcast right after we lost a drone to see, you know, a little APB out there on, a, on our fixed wing. But, boy, you would have thought a combine would have found that. And maybe there's some guy north of Air who's still fixing a sieve. Although it's like, I don't know, all styrofoam. I think it chewed mm-hmm. it up pretty good. Yep. It's gone. Disintegrated. It's gone. <laughs> so let's bring that up to uh, most present day. The reason we chose to talk about drones today specifically is, well, we've we've gone through a couple of variations of NDVI and stand count uh, efforts on drones and learned some things. And most recently, we uh, wrote our first prescription, variable rate prescription for, uh, for herbicides. So tell us a little bit about that here in the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, so the technology has the ability to actually fly a field and see exactly where weeds are in relation to your crop. Um, so we had a Sintera contractor went out and flew the field. Um, this is a field that had some escapes, you know, uh, for some reason, uh, you know, pre didn't work, didn't work. And there right. was a few big yeah. weeds out there. Um, So we and we've identified a handful of fields now where we've we've done this. We had you know we we fly it with an RTK payload on the drone, so you know exactly your everything's geo referenced, right? And you actually go through there and mark where every every individual weed is, and they give you a map back to say here and a a prescription back to plug into your sprayer, Mm -hmm. and it can be a Hawkeye HD. Um, the John Deere exact apply systems both you know it's got to be a relatively new sprayer and you got to have that unlock unlock codes on it right but uh plug that in and go and you have to make sure your calibrations are good obviously your look ahead right you know factors all that stuff's got to be spot on right and uh, yeah I mean we, we put some stuff out on social media there on you know with a, a video and a, a map on there if there's any interest you know feel free to reach out to us and you know and see some of that and we'll we have yeah. the ability um, we have a sprayer that, that can do that. Um, and, you know, I I'd label this as, you know, experimental. Yeah.
0: Well, and the, and the whole thing is, and that's, uh, I want everyone to, anyone who's listening to understand, like we're not, we're not here saying we've, uh, we've figured out how to use drones. Uh, in fact, we've probably had, you know, it's, it's taking, I would say, longer to fly and longer to process the data, whether it, with, with the exception of NDVI, NDVI is pretty quick stand counts or uh or or identifying weeds or identifying where weeds are georeferenced into a field specifically it's taken more time to both fly the field and crunch the data than what we what we thought yep fair statement
1: yeah yeah it, it's relatively easy to get a drone up in the air yes and take a couple of pictures um where all the problems come with is you know you know drone drones of course can crash there's wind there's all those good things but then it's the data right um Sentera helps us a lot with that and that's why they are you know a sensor and a more of an analytics right. company yep. i mean a lot of this stuff i mean it it's it's you know hundreds of gigs i mean it's it's just terabytes of data that goes up yeah. and that they have to crunch the data um you know your average computer can't do it it takes a lot of processing power yeah um, to go through and, and do that, and there's definitely there's all kinds of challenges every every time you know every time you do that, there's an opportunity for, for for difficulties, for challenges, for you know data to, to get you know we're, messed up. And we're,
0: we're not in a greenhouse here. We're flying a we're flying a, a an object that weighs probably two and a half pounds across the North Dakota prairie. Um, stuff's going to happen. So mm-hmm. yeah, but but at the, the same time, at the rate that technology. Uh, improves exponentially uh, where we're at today is going to be exponentially faster tomorrow Uh, the part about this variable rate herbicide application that particularly excites us is the potential for um uh, incentives coming from the united states government to farm more sustainably and we've talked about it on previous podcasts and truthfully north dakota is a very sustainable state We, we we farm very environmentally friendly uh and don't brag about it as much as we should. This is one thing we're not doing. So if, if these kind of regulations come out or at least incentives for, um, you know, site-specific agriculture, this is something that we're not doing. So if the technology gets there fast enough, um, yeah, this would be a way to reduce the amount of herbicide that actually goes on the acre. So we're excited about it. So back to what we did in the last few weeks here. We, we had uh, uh, two different customers that identify, helped us identify fields alongside of our sales agronomists. That may or may not work. Um, the first one, if I remember right, we, we fly the field. It prints out a map that basically says you're going to want herbicide on about 80% of that field. But, am I right? It was yep. about that? Yep. Yep. Um, and ultimately, we decided to scrap that. Uh, there was some, I believe there were some power lines in there and that kind of a thing, if I remember right. Yep. Yep. Now, now, fast forward, we, we, this next batch of fields, I think there was three fields for one customer. Tell us a little bit about those.
1: Yeah. So there was, there were some weeds that were, you know, escaped early and, um, you know, were pretty good size. We, you know, the, when we went out and looked at the, that prescription yeah. felt pretty good about it. Um, you know, that it was, it was a much less sort much smaller percentage of the field was getting treated. Um, you know, we, we went out and did a, did a herbicide application, um, looked at it this week. Um, where, where it worked you know when you went out and you could see you know the dense patches of weeds you know absolutely you know did it, the herbicide the, the sprayer everything executed worked really really good um you know that some of the challenges is there there's some areas where there was you know a, a weed that didn't get sensed is you know certainly right. one one challenge you know whether it was you know in the shadow of a you know of a of a plant right there there's some things and and that's why I said some of this stuff is trialing. So I'd say one of the fields that we applied so far or grower applied, um, you know, like, yeah, we're, we're going to have to go after that way too soon. Um, and maybe, you know, a little discouraging. The other couple actually look, you know, look pretty good. And there's some areas where, where we did that. And I think this is one of those things where um, we'll get smarter as we do this. Yeah. We're, we're going to figure these out, right? We're, there's right. going to be some trips. Um, and maybe there's, there's ways to date as a, as a, as a agronomic, you know, crop science, all these labels are written as a, you know, pounds of AI per acre. Right. We've never thought about, you know, what AI should we be, be applying when we're spraying per weed per meter
0: per meter. Yep. You
1: know, what, you know, yep. all these thi- all these rules change. We yep. can be, we could double our rate. If we're spraying 15% of the field, we could double our rate.
0: And be much more environmentally friendly and much more effective.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, that's why we need to be, pay attention to these things that's yeah. why you know we like to, to trial with these things because we want to we want to figure out some of these challenges these things are going to come are we going to have you know challenges uh, you know absolutely every every yeah. day we're gonna have you know a bunch of challenges um you know another another challenges I mean all these things there, there's time involved right you gotta yeah. you got to fly it you got to process the data then once you get the prescription back you have to wait for the right environment to be able to spray so right. all of this is you know it adds time but We'll, again we'll get better at all that stuff as we as we trial so yeah
0: yeah no it's it's uh if you if you saw the title of the podcast and you're listening expecting to hear exactly how to use drones on your operation I don't I we haven't we haven't arrived at that point but we're uh we're learning as we go and I guess we're we're sharing what we've learned um and efforts that uh you find some value in it so I uh I'm, I'm remembering spot spraying as a kid and by that I mean Hanging my my head out the window of a 1968 Chevy pickup sprayer in a canola field when we were spraying Stinger. Uh, if if there was Canada thistle in a canola field, it was not good. This was the only technology that we had to get rid of Canada thistle. So, <laughs> the Erickson Farm first site specific spray uh, field was or er, uh, spray application was was nine year old Patrick saying thistle, no thistle. <laughs> that was fun I'm glad we're not doing that anymore yeah spot pulling spot,
1: spot pulling yeah
0: that was the Knot farm yeah yeah oh, some
1: cockle up on the ridge. go go take care of that
0: yeah that'll that works too it still yeah. does it's less fun though that, that less fun than just hollering yeah I agree yeah. yeah all right well let's uh let's switch gears here we're gonna talk living proof a bit um living proof is uh is just a just a name that we derived here about four years ago to help kind of describe what we did on a regular basis here at the Arthur Companies. Uh, our, we, our sales agronomists are trained to prove it to themselves before they recommend it to a farmer. And, um, and so with our replicated trial work, some of our in field trial work was side by sides with our, our sales agronomists. That's that's what we aim to do. We aim to prove it to ourselves, to prove it to our customers before we go out and, uh, and make a recommendation. So Justin, you've done a lot of work within the Cass County um, uh, stores to kind of build on this. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you got going on here this year?
1: Yeah, so you know, there's so many things change in agronomy. So many things stay the same. Um, there's just a few things we set our sights on to to figure out. Put a lot of emphasis in research. Um, we're we're definitely not a research company. Right. However, however, there's you know. All these things change and, um, you know, the soybean trait platforms, for instance, um, a whole bunch of new varieties. um, There's all these agronomic challenges are still out there. So I think it's a great opportunity for us just to say, hey, you know, this is something we've tried. This is something we've worked on enough and just get just gain confidence in new genetics, new products, um, and just gets us a lot more exposure, um, you know get out in those fields uh, a year early with, you know, the represent reps of each company, manufacturers, their, their tech people. Um, It's just a really good experience to, to get familiar with things, um, you know, a year before we sell them for the most part.
0: Yeah. You know, and we, when we set out last year, we do a number of things. Um, One of them is, is simply, and I say simply because I don't think either of us thought we were going to get as much value out of the replicated seed trials simply replicated seed trials. Uh, there's so many show plots that our seed companies put to, put together that I, I think we undersold the value of these things. Uh, so last year we did replicated seed trials and then we did some bare ground work. Um, and we did some, if I'm remembering right, we did some work with some different um, seed treatments in small grains and uh, various different applications in small grains last year. But of all of them, the ones that we got value out of most was just having that local replicated yield data on seed, Mm -hmm. um, that I don't think either of us had really, that that wasn't what we were most looking forward to at the time. Would you, would you agree?
1: Yep. Yeah. 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 Again, it's, you know, I say call it a rep plot or a living proof plot and it's replicated. It's a replicated complete block design. We have a guy plant it, right? It's, it's, he's a third party, um, he's got a PhD. He's got, he's a science company. That's all he does is small plot work. Um, he's planting, he's spraying, he's harvesting. He's got a little plot combine. Everything gets weighed out there, uh, you know, on the fly and it's, he's doing true stats. So it, it is, it's not just a, you know, a side-by-side out in the field. It's right. true science. Um, we'll publish our LSDs. We'll, you know, we'll look at everything and, and just talk. Is, is there a difference or not? And you know, don't want to knock. You know, our, our our we do all these other strip trials too. These market development and FDN yes. plots. Yep. All those are valid. They they are. Um. However, you know, they're just a little bit more demonstrative, and and you have to take a whole bunch of them to learn the same thing. Yeah, you f- can. That's right. It's when al- you replicate it. Yeah. You know. A lot
0: of work over a lot of acres if you want to try to get several different data points using those bigger, yep. f- bigger field trials.
1: Yep. And I, I really like to do both. Yep. I think you can really see, you know, the, you know, the weakness of doing one, one big replicated plot like that is it's, it's great in a lot of things. However, it's, you know, we've got it right outside of air right by Larry Bierke's there. Right. If anybody's seen all those plots on the North side, right by his driveway, that that's us, that's what we're doing. Um, but yeah, the, you know, what happens when you go to Pillsbury? Is it the same thing? Right. And you know, what happens when you go to Harvey, you know? Right. And, and you know, we did it last year and, and you know, this year it was like, well, it's, it's worth it. We still have to do a whole bunch of strip trials. We've done more strip trials this year than we ha- ever have. We've got over 20, you know, strip trials just in, in Cass and right. County here. Right. Between some, you know, a couple sunflower plots, uh, several wheat plots, um, a whole bunch of bean plots, a few corn plots. Um, and again, it's just all in the name of, of learning. Yeah, we have more uh, more brands, more trait platforms, um, a whole bunch of tech product to evaluate, and the best way to do that is to throw it across a whole bunch of different environments and test them and see what works, what doesn't. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. One of one of the uh, one of the things we did last year and have multiplied it by four here this year is just some bare ground herbicide work. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? And they they are there's there's four of them this year. There's one in Harvey, one in Pillsbury. One in Aaron, one in Arthur. So, um, but last year, how did it kick off?
1: So, yeah, we just wanted to, um, again, just show what do some of these um, different mixes do. So, we did it a little bit different this year, and a little bit different uh, design as we went across different ones. But essentially, what we're doing is we're putting different mixes together, um, and sometimes it's a standalone product, sometimes it's a premix. And then what we did this year is we did it in a quilt pattern. So we did 10 treatments one way and did 10 treatments um, across it the other way. So they, they're actually blanketed across each other. So essentially there's a hundred different herbicide combinations out there. Um, and, you know, some combinations we'd never use, but it's really interesting to see. And then before we sprayed that, we went and did a whole bunch of, you know, we call them tame weeds. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're a, a tame species that mimics a wild, right? We have We have buckwheat right. in there to you know help simulate wild buckwheat yep. we've got amaranth to help simulate um, you know some Pickweed. big weeds and we've got flax and quinoa right quinoa yep. it's a health salad out there <laughs> uh corn J- justin
0: shop for a seat at costco this spring
1: yep <laughs> yep um so yeah it, and it's just it gives you and we what we did is we we spread that out ahead of time and it it simulates kind of an insane weed pressure where we're super high weed pressure. And then obviously we were really dry this spring. So, um, you know, maybe not quite as good of what I would expected out of some of those, especially where you have, you know, three, four AIs out there, but you can really see, you know, a lot of the places, even, even today when these were sprayed in, you know, early April, we're sitting here, you know, a full two months later you can see some of that stuff, and there, there's still some there's some squares out there that are still almost weed free, and with how dry we are, it's really interesting. Yeah,
0: yeah. So the first one was sprayed on like April 6th, if I remember right. It, yep. it was the first 10 days yep. of April. Yep. What was the latest one here in Cass County?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I I,
0: I I believe the Harvey plot was sprayed around the 15th or 20th of May. Yeah. So. Um. Either way, Aaron
1: we've got there would have been probably the. It was right after fertilizer season, just kind of slowed down. So yeah. it, would been, it would have been early May.
0: Yeah. Either way, it's a wide, it's a wide, you know, kind of application window, so that we're, I mean, we're able to learn across kind of a variety of different environmental conditions. So, and one of the things that is, um, for the the, the Harvey plot, I can, I can say, I mean, we've been able to, um, reference that a number of different times in regards to recommendations that we're making on a daily basis, and, and perhaps. Um, with each particular customer, what their what their control is looking like today versus hey, if, what would have happened if you would have added this active ingredient? You can actually, uh, if not actually, bring the customer out there to show that to them, which um, we do. Have the give our sales agronomist the confidence to say this is what it looks like. That goes a long way. That 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 is what uh, we're trying to get out of living proof altogether. Is to help build a sales staff that knows what these products do in any given environment. So, it's it's we're from our desks we're we're happy what we're seeing and it's it's been fun to uh, it's been fun to walk the plots and mm-hmm. and wh- from here on out here now we've we've kind of evaluated pre emergent products in these bare ground plots. Justin, what do you, what do you want to do now? You got weedy mess out there where they kind of fell through.
1: Yep. Yeah. So you know we're using Liberty more and more all the time. Liberty and enlist liberty and roundup combinations more and more all the time so that where we're going to go next is we're going to you know do a bunch of those premixes out there and spray that across there as well and Mm -hmm. just see the difference in in what the adjuvants do and what the premixes do um and some of the ways we'll actually you know do a a half rate of herbicide and a full rate of the adjuvants and you can really see adjuvant differences and you know we've we've been trialing more and more on you know tweaking adjuvants we have a lot of host brands now and that's this is as a relation this is how we've we've figured those out is hey this we like this combination more than this and we can go source things and and put things in a in our own box our own name and and trial trial and learn them
0: yep yeah we'll uh we'll continue to use all of the uh, uh the the quinoa and buckwheat that you bought at costco to (laughs) <laughs> to see what Liberty will do on these hard-to-kill weeds in the middle of, of summer. Because that's con- that obviously is becoming more and more common for us, uh, more glufosinate applications throughout the entire summer. And with how dry it's been, challenging applications. So, yeah. Yep. Cool. Well, I think with that, we're probably uh, about wrapped up for this day. Um, anything to add, Justin, before we sign off?
1: I don't think so. Uh, happy 4th.
0: Happy Fourth! If you find a drone north of air, it just might be ours. Give Justin a call at the Arthur Companies. So, um, and we'll see you next time here on the Arthur Companies podcast.